We were in Idlewild. Anna and I were hiking with her parents. And her dad, you know, 65 years old, just started climbing rocks. You know, he like climbed on this huge boulder, like 10 feet up. And her mom was like, Marapaka. And I'm like, what did she call him? (laughs) What did she just call him? (laughs) And she's like, no, 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 Marapaka. It means means like, uh, be careful or something. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. It's Tagalog, okay. (laughs) Hello, this is Culture Jumpers. Stories about making the jump from one cultural context to another. I'm Alana Whites. And I'm Lino Nicolau. This is the second half of a two-part series, so if you haven't listened to part one yet, you'll want to go back and listen to that first. For this series, we've been talking to white folks who've married into Asian families. Though to be fair, we've kind of focused on Filipino families so far. Yeah, and that's why we're going to be switching it up a bit with our next guest, Eddie, who married into a Chinese family. Eddie had all the usual experiences our previous guests talked about. New foods, an unfamiliar language, different customs. These things are pretty universal when coming from a different background. But Eddie found himself in some other situations that were also confusing to navigate. Like situations involving feng shui and Chinese customs that date back to ancient practices. And he started showing up more and more as he spent time around his in-laws. And sometimes, things got a little uncomfortable. Up next, some unwanted tenants and spinning blades of death. So Eddie's a teacher from Philly. I met him through his wife, Crystal. Eddie's white and Crystal's Chinese-American, but they were both born and raised in the same neighborhood in Philly. They've been together for quite some time. In fact, they're high school sweethearts. So we were in band together. She played violin. I played saxophone. We mainly spent most of our time like in the band room, mm-hmm. driving our band director nuts. But like after school, we'd go across the street to the the pizza shop. There's some very like wholesome like oh let's go get a malt. But we would like. We would like hang out at the pizza shop across the street and uh, it's where I asked her out was like at Ernie's Pizza. We started dating in high school and we started living together, gosh, like six years ago now. Just got married last year. So we were together for like 15 years before we got married. We were just like, you know what? That seems like a lot of work getting a wedding together when we could just be like enjoying then we wouldn't have had sick-ass lion dancers at our wedding. Eddie and Crystal's wedding celebrated not just the joining of their lives, but the joining of their cultures. For example, from his Irish side, they included details like traditional hair braids and hand fasting, where the couple's hands are bound together with cloth. And Eddie's family was excited to include traditions from the Chinese side as well, to make sure Crystal felt welcome. Though, as is usually the case when dealing with a culture you're not familiar with, there was some anxiety over getting it right. I actually had to kind of tell my mom to like cool it because every family picks and chooses which traditions and things they feel are really important. Mm -hmm. And my mom was just like, Ed, I was Googling stuff and I read that like the groom's family is supposed to give a roasted pig. (laughs) Like, do, do I need to get a roasted pig? Like, I don't want to not get it and mess the day up. So like, should I order a pig? And I was like, 
No, like, what are you talking? You don't have to order a roasted pig. Like, that's <laughs> that isn't something that they're expecting. Uh-huh. And of course, my brother in law was like, "You idiot! You could have gotten a roasted pig on it. <laughs> like, why did you say no? Why did you tell her not to do that? We could have had a whole pig, right?" Um, and also that's like that's really sweet of her too exactly it is sweet because she's like i want to make sure like okay i'm gonna get her something gold like she did all this research but i was also like mom don't worry i will tell you what crystal wants when she tells me what she wants like don't go buying a pig just check with us it's fine you don't have to surprise us on the day of for this thing One tradition that both Eddie and Crystal definitely agreed on, though, was having a lion dance performance during their reception. So we were played in, you know, they announced us. You have people playing some drums, some big wooden drums. Yeah, that just like, doom, 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 doom. And cymbal smashing. And the lion is this massive, uh, if you imagine like the like, horse costume right like one uh-huh. person's the legs one person's the front um same principle uh, and you have like a draped over cloth covering the two of them and the head is a puppet that has like eyes that can close and blink and it looks like a lion i guess <laughs> i like i say <laughs> it looks like a lion it doesn't look like a lion it <laughs> It looks like a mythological beast. Um, You know, it's supposed to scare away all the bad stuff. And they feed it uh, cabbage, so which is an odd thing. So that's like your little offering to them. I put a screw into a cabbage to like tie the cabbage to the thing. The cabbage that's like on the pole, right? Yeah, yeah. You like feed them some cabbage. And on my way up, it fell off. And I was just like, oh no. oh, no. So then I'm like trying to like tie it and like, I don't want to look like I'm stressing, but I'm like, I'm trying to get this on here. And then when they went to take it, the lions, yeah, the lions, they put their head over top of it. You know, they put the mouth over top and they open it up, but then they can stick their hand through and grab it. Okay. And I could see them just like yanking, having to like like to get it off of the thing because i ended up having to like tie it around it kind of i was like oh you tied it too tight to the string yeah so you could see them like instead of it just popping off the way i initially wanted you could see like the hand like like yank it (laughs) and then they you know the person grabs it and usually they'll like rip it up and then they'll like throw the cabbage everywhere so like Mm -hmm. it makes this huge mess just like all the best things you know great rhythmic music gigantic puppets that are covered in like sequins and like you know i was a mummer for a little bit so i'm just like this is just like being a mummer yeah except, it's mummer vibes yeah it's like mummer vibes except much less problematic do we need to explain what mummers are for non-philly people i feel like growing up in california i certainly had never heard of them until i moved to philly yeah well i mean there's evidence that the mummers may have inspired new orleans mardi gras so that's probably a good way to think about it so Picture kind of like a Mardi Gras-esque parade, except it happens on New Year's Day. And there's all these groups in extravagant costumes, and they're parading through the streets, playing music and dancing and competing for best theme. And everyone just kind of watches from the sidelines and parties and gets drunk. And it's just like this big event that happens and is televised every year. So why did Eddie say that they have this problematic reputation because everybody gets to choose their theme every year. There's usually some group that picks something offensive, and 
there's an unfortunate history of blackface involved, and it still sometimes happens. So, yeah. Wait, still happens? How recently are we talking? Like within the last couple of years. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there's been a crackdown on it recently, and most of those people get banned, but it still unfortunately happens sometimes. All right. Well, that took a turn. <laughs> Um, luckily, there's nothing controversial like that about lion dances, I don't think. But, blackface aside, the mummers and the lion dance, they're kind of similar on the surface. Both have flashy costumes and these really theatrical performances. But on top of all that, the lion dance has a ton of symbolism related to bringing luck and prosperity to your future. Do you know what the cabbage is supposed to signify? I actually feel bad not knowing it. Um, I'm trying to remember. It's, I think it signifies cabbage. No, um, <laughs> but no, I think it's, it's, um. I should probably just Google like, it. Yeah, that's like, right, because it's like a, did you find it? Uh, hold on, I'm, lo- I'm looking at it. During Chinese New Year, line dance troops will visit the houses and shops to perform the traditional custom of Tai Qing, literally meaning plucking the greens, whereby the lion plucks the auspicious green lettuce, mm-hmm. either hung on a pole or placed on a table in front. The greens is tied together with a red envelope. In Chinese, Tai, the word for pluck, also sounds like Tai, meaning vegetable. Oh, oh I see. As well as fortune. fortune. Oh, like Gong Xi Fa Tai. Yeah. So, like, that tie is fortune. Yeah. Ah, I love it. There are a lot of customs in Chinese culture centered around bringing good luck and fortune. The lion dance was a particularly flashy example, but there are also smaller everyday examples, like superstitions. While Americans avoid the number 13 and walking under ladders, Eddie had to get used to how superstitions show up in Chinese culture. Her sister's... And her got an apartment building and a bunch of pigeons moved in. Mm-hmm. And like one of the tenants was reasonably like, hey, get rid of these pigeons. And we're like, wait, when, when you say moved in, like where in the oh, house? Like, like what? Yeah, they were like outside. When you walk up, there was a ledge above the front door okay. going in that they nested in the top. Okay. And I was like. I am not trying to kill a pigeon or, like, you know, mess up their home. And Crystal was like, no, mom said if a bird builds a nest in your house, it's good luck. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I guess they did have underneath their little uh, air conditioner on their old house. They used to have some, like, little sparrow birds. Like under their window unit? Yeah, like under the window unit. Um, and I was like, oh yeah. And she was like, it's bad luck to destroy the bird nest. But like, it's an investment property. It's like not your own. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I joked, I was like, just tell them that it's bad luck to get rid of them. And then I looked it up. I'm like, what if there's babies? Like, cause you can't call animal control for pigeons. Right. (laughs) They're going to be like, I don't know, throw it in the trash. Like who cares? It's a pigeon. Thank God the pigeons had moved on and there weren't eggs. So we, well, I say we. I cleaned the pigeon refuse. And then, like, later that day, we went to a party, and one of our friends was there, and he had brought someone that had just gotten here, like, a year ago, and they were from China. I forget exactly where, but they lived in China their entire lives. So I start telling them about this pigeon thing, and I'm like, yeah, because, like, you know, Crystal said it's bad luck to destroy their nest. And she was just like what the hell are you talking about? Like, (laughs) no, get rid of them. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, and I was like, it's not bad luck. And she was like, 
No. Like, and then I started to think, I'm like, is that bad luck? Or is your mom just like you and me, Crystal, and doesn't have the heart to, like, evict these little birds? So just goes, nah, it's good luck to just have birds living in your house. Crystal's parents, they don't have any ceiling fans because like feng shui wise, that's not kosher. You're not supposed to have stuff hanging over your bed. And a lot of those things are just like, yeah, it makes sense. You don't want to just like have things hanging over top of you while you're asleep. Uh, But I bought a ceiling fan that I put in Mm -hmm. and like this ceiling fan looks sick. It looks awesome. It's got these two big blades on it, but the thing was too long. So like my friend came over and we were like, we had to chop it down and we had to do all this modifications to this thing. It was a nightmare. We finally, we put it up and we turn it on and I'm just like, this thing's awesome. And Crystal's mom comes in and her eyes are just like huge. Cause like I didn't realize, and she like goes over and talks to Crystal that the two blades on there look like two Chinese broadswords. So not only do we have something hanging above our bed, but literally like two spinning blades of death are hanging above our bed. And her mom was just like really bugged out by it. And Crystal's like, oh no. Is broadsword like how her mom described it? Yeah, yeah. And it was reasonable. It, <laughs> when when Crystal said it, I looked at it and I was like, you know what? It is pretty intense. Especially <laughs> it was on high. It was like, so, 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 so. Like, it was kind of intimidating. I could give her that. But I remember it, Crystal felt really bad because we we're like, we're going to have to go return this thing. We do now have a different ceiling fan. But <laughs> well, I, how did you feel about it? I honestly, I was just like, this is fucking hilarious. But like the way I explained it to people I was like, look, it would be like if you went to your child's house and they had like a live grenade sitting on their coffee table and they're just like, no, it's fine. It's okay. Like, no, like for Crystal's mom, like that fear of how bad the luck will be, it's real. And also maybe like literally this thing's going to fall on my daughter and chop her to bits (laughs) when she's asleep. It's something that I think has like taught me... um, to like not be dismissive of that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. her mom like felt bad, but she was just dead seriously. That is right. supremely bad luck to have. And then there are things that I'm like, if you put a hat on the table for me, I'm like, oh, that's bad luck. Don't put a hat on the table. And she's just like, the hell? And Really? I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, it's probably like wearing your shoes inside. Like when someone would come home with their dirty ass hat, like don't put it on the table. Right. But like, yeah, that was bad luck growing up, I was told. It is funny, though, when there are things like that where I'll be like, oh, that's bad luck. And Crystal will be like, what? What are you talking about? I'm like, Crystal, (laughs) right now, we don't want to get into whether something being lucky or unlucky is, is like silly or reasonable. Like if... I leave the bathroom door open. That was something. I had never heard that one before. I went to the bathroom and their new house, they have a bathroom on like the first floor. And I left the door open because that's what we do when we're done with the bathroom. Right. So that you know know that there's no, yeah, that's how we signal it. And Crystal's dad told her to tell me like to shut the door when I was done because it's not good to leave it open. And I was like, 
is it because I like I I didn't shit like am I like I'm like did I take a really sh-? like no I didn't like it doesn't stink like they have a vent in there but it's just like no like I think just having doors open that don't need to be open uh-huh. and I was like all right okay I'll do it I'll probably forget at some point but I'll fix it I'll keep it shut doesn't bother me I will accommodate her luck and unluck her luck is my luck My name's John Matthews. I'm a filmmaker based out of Los Angeles, and I am married to your cousin. John married my cousin Chrissy in 2019. They both live in LA now, but John's originally from West Virginia. And what I noticed right away was just how proud he is of where he comes from. He really lives and breathes his home state whenever you talk to him. West Virginia is a beautiful state. It's all mountains, and West Virginia is the only state that's completely covered in the Appalachian Mountains. In between two mountains, a creek runs through, and along the creek there's a road, and that road is called a holler, or hollow, if you're not from the holler. And my holler was called Booger Hole. So is Booger Hole like a nickname or the actual name? It was an actual name. Actually, they changed the name now to try to increase property values, probably. (laughs) (laughs) But it's now called Whispering Pines. Going into this... I was expecting John to have the biggest culture shock out of everyone we talked to, but it turns out that wasn't the case at all. Like, we were talking about food, and Filipinos have this tradition of making lechon. We love to eat. I mean, oh my gosh, it's like, that's the big thing, is everything centered around food, you Mm -hmm. know? The big thing in my hometown of Alum Creek is every July we have the Alum Creek pig roast. Uh Uh-huh. Where, you know, they stay up all night cooking the pig and turning it and it's a big party. And then the next day, you know, you have that as your meal. It's so similar. I think it was Tracy's baby shower and there's Lachone there, you know, that's like the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm back in Owl Creek, you know. So, yeah, it's for being so far apart as far as Owl Creek in the Philippines. There's a lot of similarities for sure. But I think what's great with John is that this deep pride that he has in where he comes from doesn't stop him from learning about and really embracing Filipino culture as well. So, for example, one of the really cool things that John does as a filmmaker is produce video segments for Sesame Street. Yeah, you know, Sesame Street for being on for 52 seasons, to make it part of their mission statement to be so diverse and so inclusive and so like, let's explore other cultures and the head of their cultural department is Filipina. And she was so excited when I pitched Kamayan. Oh, wow. So you pitched the story to them. Yeah. You know, this one, the only thing they had was F is for food. And it was a blank slate, really, from there. I thought F is for food and food and Filipino go so hand in hand. And the Kamayan meals are so beautiful. Usually a long table with banana leaves covering it. And then you have layers of food with, uh, you know, the rice and then noodle dishes and fruit and vegetables and fish and meat. And, you know, just this whole huge spread of food out in front of you. It's so cinematic and so beautiful. 
it means like eating with your hands, right? It's your actual fingers to your mouth, you know, and you're grabbing it and the other person's grabbing it right there. And there's no plate. There's no added layer, added barrier between you and that other person. So it's a more intimate family style meal. Like, oh, we're all doing this thing together and it's this real special thing. And it just makes you kind of feel closer, you know, as a participant. Yeah, obviously, in the age of COVID, the idea of being so close together and eating with your hands sounds kind of horrifying. But I do just like how communal and informal the Kamayan is. It's funny, Sesame Street made me write in a scene where the girl who's kind of the star of the show that's like a 10-year-old girl, like, washes her hands. <laughs> so they can tell, like, oh, they washed their hands before they ate this meal with their hands. And then I'm cutting it together, and then just out of the blue, you know, this, this beautiful, you know, spread, and I've got this dolly shot over the whole thing. And then it's like, oh, the girl washing her hands. Where does this come from? So I didn't, it didn't make any sense with the story at all, so that they let me cut it out. But, yeah, they originally were like, oh, we got to put that in so yeah it's it's interesting that even you know living in the world of covid permeated sesame street's script it's just so wild to me that he of all people was the one to bring this piece of filipino culture to the table for sesame street watching this segment i was impressed at how natural and authentic it felt it really shows that he took the time to immerse himself in the food culture and john's been trying to immerse himself in other ways as well for example he's been trying to learn tagalog Although that process hasn't been quite as smooth. During the pandemic, I was, um, you know, doing the Tagalog on tape, you know, the audio lessons or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. Tell me more. So, you know, with all languages, of course, your subtle differences with the way you pronounce words make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And let's see if I can get this right. I was saying, um, Kayan Tao. Like, I was trying to say, let's eat. Uh-huh. And, you know, my wife's dad is like, you're saying eat people. Because <laughs> <laughs> ta'o, I guess, is man or something or person. Yeah. So, kaya uh, tayo, is that more like how you say? What's the difference between tayo, tayo? Yeah, like, I have to go into Google Translate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, like, I'm not good with Tagalog, but, yeah, like, yeah. what you were trying to say is kaya tayo. Tayo, yeah, yeah, T-A-Y-O. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, not Tao. <laughs> yeah, Tao is like eat people. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, and, and everybody's just looking at me. I'm like, oh, yeah, don't know what's wrong with that one. <laughs> straight out of my Audible lesson. <laughs> <laughs> but when were you like trying to test it out, I guess? Oh, you know, at a family dinner. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody was laughing. You know, I definitely want my son to know Tagalog and be able to be a citizen of the world. You know, I do the Isa Dalawa Tatloa Palima, the little song, you know, I play on the ukulele for uh, for my son and Aww. everything. So, Oh, let me tell you one more thing. I don't know if you, this is acceptable to use, but I thought it was funny. Yesterday, I was reading um, my son a new book, you know, he's six months old. And it was about a little baby bird that goes peck, 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 peck. Mm. And I was pecking him with my finger and he was laughing and he loved the book. That was so funny. So cute. And I, I told Chrissy about it. I'm like, you know, he loves this new book. You should read it to him. And she's like, do you know what peck, peck means in Tagalog? <laughs> 
like, no. She's like, it means vagina. <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe that's why your mom hasn't read that one to him. <laughs> oh, man. Another part of learning a language like Tagalog is learning how to address people, especially those who are older. And that took some getting used to for John. But one thing that has been hard for me, uh, being married into a Filipino family, is everybody has a title, mm-hmm. you know, which in my family, we just call everybody by their first name. Not my parents were mom and dad, but instead of Uncle Roger, it's just Roger, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm actually the opposite. Like, so it actually makes me feel uncomfortable to not include a title. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I actually feel weird just calling you Mark like, and not like Uncle Mark. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I really had to get used to that, that everybody has a title and it's like a sign of respect. Yep. You know, and all the... Older people are Lola and Lolo, even if they're not your Lola and Lolo, you know? (laughs) Right, right. And everybody's uh, Tito, even if they're not your uncle. And um, it's funny, on set, when we were shooting the last movie with Lola, I'm in the middle of a hundred different things and movies that are very stressful. And it's the scene with the Kamayan and everybody's around. It's all the family members. So everybody's there and it can hear what I'm saying. And Tracy is working really closely. She's like the production manager. And I'm trying to get her to get Chrissy's dad. And I call him Han Wario, <laughs> which, you know, I like, don't call him that. I call him dad. But it's, you know, at first I was calling her mom and dad, Terry and Neri, their names. And they told Chrissy, they're like, it's really weird that John calls us that. Like, to have him call us mom and dad. So it took me a long time to get used to that. And then in the middle of the set, you know, I'm thinking, do I say dad? to get dad, you know, and everybody's <laughs> right. looking. Because you're in a working environment. Yeah, yeah. And I'm working and, you know, he's kind of the producer, you know, and uh, so I just say Henwario. And then I hear at the table, all of um, Chrissy's mom's side's family, they're all like, does he call him on Wario? Does he call him on Wario and not dad? You know, and they just like, were so shocked. And so like, and I was like embarrassed in the moment. <laughs> I actually don't, I call him dad. But in that moment, I was like, get him Wario. And they're like, oh my gosh, does he call him on Wario and not dad? So yeah, that's actually been like a, a thing I always have to think about. Before we ended the interview, I knew I had to ask John one last thing about titles, now that he was a part of our big Filipino family. In American culture, there's always this attitude of like, oh, don't remind me I'm old, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of curious, like when your kid starts growing up, when all the cousins' kids start growing up, do you think you'd want to be called Lolo or, you know, or would you not want it because it just makes you feel old? You know, that's interesting you say that because my mom doesn't want to be called grandma or granny or grandmother. She wants to be called Nana Hmm. because she thinks grandma seems like a too old of a word, you know, so. Nana doesn't carry that connotation? Not to her. I don't know. (laughs) Interesting. Even though she's not like a young grandmother by any means, that's still what she's comfortable with. So I think it is part of it. This American, we don't want to seem old or have some kind of title placed on us that ages us. 
What about you, though? Hey, if I live long enough to be a grandfather, I will love to be called. <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome to have that experience. Today's episode of Culture Jumpers was hosted by Lionel Nicolau and me, Alana Whites, with music and sound design also by me. We're produced and edited by myself and Lionel Nicolau. If you want to check out John's F is for Food segment that he produced for Sesame Street, you can watch it on HBO Max. It's season 52, episode 31. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. I just remember Crystal handing me the durian outside of her house because she didn't want to open it inside her house. And, <laughs> so she knew what was up with durian. Oh, yeah. And I just remember her like they were very entertained when I first tried durian because it was rough. But like eventually, like now I'll rip into durian. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can understand how this tastes good. <laughs> and then I explain it to people. I'm like, yeah, it's like if you farted in a sock with an onion and ate honeydew out of it, you're like, <laughs> OK, yeah, that's good. That, like that sounds uh, why would you eat that?